essentially, you know, kind of the, the tagline is, um, is helping entrepreneurs overcome burnout yep. and uh, take their business to the next level by mastering their health, sleep and environment. Okay, guys, welcome to Bloomex podcast. Um, today, we have a great shout out to mention. Um, shout out to MCRO for becoming a continuing sponsor for the, for the podcast. So this episode and future episodes is going to be brought to you by MCRO, who enables businesses to grow through handcrafted digital solutions of the future. MCRO is a web and mobile app development studio with a competent, dedicated, and experienced team focused on solving business challenges through fast to market and producing high performance digital products. If you're looking to turn your destructive ideas into reality or have a reliable strategic tech partner to explore options with uh, for your existing work or for new work, reach out to us and we'll make the introduction for MCRO and you can have the conversation over a coffee or a bone shaker IPA, your choice. Okay, Cam, thank you, man, for coming on. Um, so you came on right away. Like we put up a post a few days ago saying mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody dropped out of our, uh, on our show. Yeah. Um, like we booked, we were been booked out for the last three months. Solid, yeah, yeah. Right. It's been, we started this in May and it spiraled really quickly and people got really interested in coming on and sharing their stories. So when a person dropped off, we put up a posting, yeah. you know, Hey, anyone want to come on like and share their story? And you jumped on it really yeah. quickly. Really appreciate you doing that. And, um, after talking to you after that day, like mm -hmm. we had a quick chat I mean, you have a really cool story to, to talk about. Thank you. Um, so you're involved with the startup right now, TrueFan. Yep. Right, which is doing phenomenal. Uh, you yourself uh, do a lot of fitness stuff on the side, mm -hmm. right? And you're a young guy, man. You're 22, yep. doing all this. So let's talk about that, right? That young professional struggle, right? Yeah. How that looks like, why you're doing the things you're doing, mm -hmm. right? So let's start off with TrueFan and how you got there, right? Totally. Um, you shared a really cool story that you knew the, one of the founders yeah. from Vancouver, yeah. right? So you're originally from Peterborough here. Correct. From Toronto, from, yeah. from the region. Yeah. And you moved, after you finished university, you went to Vancouver? Yeah, um, so I actually only went to college <laughs> yeah. and uh, went for two years as one of those guys that just like never really saw the purpose of it for myself. Okay. Being in business, having that business kind of ambition since young. Perfect. Um, I really went to be truthful, to please my mom <laughs> and experience the, uh, the, the college experience, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. go stay at res, hang out. But after that, yeah, I just took off. To Vancouver, like I, where'd you go? Like, what what program did you do? Did it influence you in any way? When I sorry, when I went to school. Yeah, when you were in school. Yeah, I went to I went in marketing. Like, if I was gonna go, I was gonna go into business. Yeah. Um, truthfully, you know, I don't know if there's uh, anything that I use. Yeah. <laughs> from that, but I mean, like that's Fair. that's formal education with business. Like we move so quickly. So you in went the into world school to kind of please family, like same yeah, with me. I enjoyed it. Thing, I enjoyed yeah. it, right? Yeah. And I went for two years. It was a short period of time in the grand scheme of things, and. You know, I got an amazing opportunity. I actually ran a uh, painting business in my first year cool. um, with a company called Student Works, which is a great program for any students looking to get involved with business early on. Great systems. And uh, so I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I went. And that definitely like opened the door for a lot of things. Mainly I went, I did door to door to generate all, you know, six figures of my revenue through that. And so that led me to building my confidence, building my initial sales skills, which ultimately led me to go out to Vancouver when I got the opportunity to, you know, fly out to Vancouver and sell <laughs> pest control door to door, which I wouldn't have done if I didn't run the painting business, if I didn't go to college. So I don't see it as like a waste of time at all. I see everything as like, you know, happening for you kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, nonetheless, headed out to Vancouver like as soon as I could. <laughs> yeah. Just got as far as away. I've always had that like uh, want or desire to just go out and where nobody knows me and I can just like really focus on myself and, and try to grow something, right? And I did it in an untraditional way of doing door to door sales, but nonetheless, okay. I was out in Vancouver and that's kind of when I did meet Scott. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, like I just DM'd him who Scott is uh, our chief growth officer at TrueFan and amazing guy. But uh, I was growing my network out there, right? Didn't know anybody when I went out there. And I was like, hey, saw you on Swish's page, who's the CEO. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey man, like see you're in Vancouver, looking to grow my network, know you're into sales, like would love to just was grab off Instagram? Like, Sorry? What'd you, where'd you find him off of? Yeah, Instagram, like Instagram. just classic, sliding yeah. the DMs, yeah, not yeah. that kind of yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and just hit them up and be like, hey, dude, I'm looking to grow my network. Seems like you just moved out here because they just moved like yeah. two months prior to me reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so they were, he was down. We went and grabbed coffee, you know, just kicked it off. Like we just started vibing really well. And he invited me over to the Hootsuite office, which that's where they were working out of um, because Ryan Holmes was one of the or one of the advisors. And so from there, I, you know, just chilled there for a bit, did some work because I was doing some marketing at the time and uh, didn't really think of anything about it, really. And next thing you know, like I end up moving back to Peterborough after, you know, a, a chain of events. They ended up getting venture capital from round 13, Bruce Croxon's uh, VC firm. Yep. And so they came back to Toronto. Again, not thinking much about it. Um, this was a few months later. He reaches out to me over LinkedIn, like, hey man, love to reconnect. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Uh, can you come up for like a beer or something and let's reconnect? Sure. And in the back of my mind, like I had a feeling that he was pit he was gonna be pitching me on a job. And at the time it was gonna work out for me because I was not enjoying what I did at Peterborough. I joined a marketing agency. And I just really wasn't enjoying it. So it just felt right. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go do it, reconnect with them. And sure enough, like he offered me the position of business dev manager. And uh, ever since, I've been their first hire at TrueFan about eight months ago now. And, you know, lots have happened since then. So really, really funny story how it's happened. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the universe gives you what you need, not what you want. And uh, that was definitely, definitely one of them. Awesome. Uh, I mean, that's really the power of putting yourself out there. Right? Yeah. When you're like hunting for any kind of opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, one of the, like somebody, someone told me this really early on, right? Like not all who lost wander, mm. right? So Definitely. a lot of people get in this point, especially when you're younger, like you don't know, there's so many things you don't know, you don't even know. Right? 100%. And a lot of people can 100%. get overwhelmed by that or like underwhelmed mm. where they feel like they go to this cloud of like, I don't know what I want to do or like, you know, just kind of like stay within the same kind of bubble, not really yeah. grow. Yeah. So it's really cool that you went somewhere completely where you yeah. don't know anybody, right? I do. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of risk. Yeah. Right? Like, um, how do you do it? Do you, do you like, I'm just going to figure it out or did you plan for it? Like, like I don't know. I always felt like I was just ready for it. Um, mm -hmm. And that dates back to when I was even younger. Uh, I had this weird, weird thought that would always pop up in my head. And I just wanted to leave home with nothing. Yeah. And where nobody knows of me, which I kind of did, but obviously I had money and, and established myself at that point. But when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15, I just wanted to leave and tell nobody and just go like build something and see what I can create, right? Like yeah, yeah. from just connecting with people, whether I'm working at McDonald's or working at like a bank, like that's, uh, that wasn't really the point. It was the fact that I could go with nothing 
and figure my way out um, from, you know, finding out where to live to building the relationships with employers to, you know, building a new social network, but doing it on my own terms because I felt like I was very constrained in high school of like I'm surrounded by all these people that I didn't choose to be surrounded by and I have to be surrounded by these people for the next three, four years, mm. right? And so that kind of bothered me and it really weighed on me as I finished high school because, you know, being someone who really felt like I was meant for more, yeah. right? And in a small town where everybody's very small-minded and they want to party and don't get me wrong, I have had my fair share of partying, but there was always that thought and voice deep down saying mm -hmm. like, you can go and do more like now, like now. And so I always had that. And so when the time came, it was like, it's just time. Like I'm yeah. ready for this. And I never once questioned it. My friends always like, dude, how'd you do it? And even, even my mom's uh, friends would always like tell her mm -hmm. what she would always, you know, voice to me is like, they don't even know how they would do it. Like, and being like 40 year old parents, yeah, yeah. right. And 40 year old people. So it's something that I just kind of took for granted almost. But as people started to say, like, you know, were you not scared? Like, that's a lot of risk. And it was like, oh, you know, I guess that is something cool that I have <laughs> on my side. Right. And I, I started to appreciate it a lot more. But, you know, very, very natural for me to do something. That's like awesome. Because, that. like, it's almost like you didn't know that it was a risk. You didn't know what no. you're doing. You're just kind of going with it. You yeah. figured it out. Yeah. And that's part of what it is. Right. When you don't have that burden of that anxiety. Right. Mm. And like, oh, shit. Like, what am yeah, I doing? Totally. You're just like kind of going with it. You're just kind of kind of more free-flowing mm -hmm. and when you're young you don't really need much no man like, right you can like, kind of work it out right i've had a few experiences like that where i've moved many times just because of my nature of like i just move 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 and like i i don't mind moving because like i just can get up and go i don't have you know to take care of my kids my dogs like mortgage payments car payments like none of that right so you know when i went out to vancouver i first lived in this this house that i was provided by me from the company I worked with. And then I ended up moving for a month to another apartment, moved all my stuff in there. And then I was like, I don't like this place. I'm moving again. So I moved after a month, lived there for three months. And after that, I moved back to Peterborough from Peterborough. I lived there for three months and then moved to Toronto, lived in one spot in Toronto, which is actually close to here, um, lived there for three months. And then I was like, my buddy offered to move downtown with me. I'm like, sure, I'm moving again. Nice. So it's just such a freedom feeling right yeah, and like yeah, i've always yeah. wanted that and be like you know no question of like if you wanted to go do this do this right you're young and, and yeah. it's like when i am young i want to be able to experience that because this is the time yeah, where yeah, you don't yeah. have those commitments exactly so it's been like why not right what's what's there to lose <laughs> let's talk about like structuring that because that's that that's wicked that you can move all that like that's mm -hmm. like the dream right that kind of yeah. fluidity like well, I, li I listen yeah. to this and i'm like holy crap yeah like, that's kind of the thing like i wish that we could do that now right? yeah so let's talk about how you figured all that out mm. right like when you're how old were you when you made this move like transition to like yeah move out like when i first when i first went to college i was 17 um and then from there when i moved to res and then 18 when i moved into my first place off campus uh, but then when I went to Vancouver, uh, I just turned 19. So I would have been 19. And then from there, it was over the span of about a year and a half. So uh, about like 19 to 20 or so yeah. when I did all that. So let's talk about how you figure that out. Like how you figure out like getting like, like, you know, how do you rent a place out? Yeah. How do you do all these things? Or like, like <laughs> how do you even like learn, like, like learn all that kind of stuff? Right. Yeah. Was it like you asked the right people? Yeah. Researching through your phone? Like, well, what I the think, mechanics there? honestly, like, I think the renting part is the easier of it uh, for myself, at least. Like it was just more like a GG shirt, stay on top of it. What I think is really interesting. And I see a lot of my friends 
going through it right now because again like this is a period where they're finishing their four-year degree or whatnot and now they're like moving out on their own like they're own their own and i keep telling all my friends i'm like you you might be living with somebody right now but when you actually live on your own which took me a while to actually do i was always living with one or two yeah, people yeah. that's when things really get tricky because it's like you're alone with yourself and you don't have like a social kind of guideline to take you through the day and that's when it's like, okay, you need to go buy toilet paper. <laughs> you need to go like actually think about three meals and like snacks for yourself each day. And when are you going to cook that? And when are you going to go get groceries? And those small stuff that as a student or as like a young, you know, adult, a lot of us don't think about that coming out of leaving from our parents' home or living with our, our friends. That was the biggest thing that I had to figure out because it threw me off balance so much and being having such a high priority of my health. I really needed to figure that out because I was like, I can't go days on end eating out or not eating. Like I needed to cook three days or three meals a day and have that ready for myself. So it was finding that balance. Like the biggest thing was finding that timing balance of like, when are you going to go to the groceries, the grocery store? When you do go, what are you going to buy? And then like, how are you going to cook it? Okay. It tasted horrible. How can you make it not taste like horrible? So you actually yeah, yeah, yeah. eat it. Um, and all those like smaller things, but just like, keeping yourself almost alive as you begin to like branch out. Those are the biggest things like finding the apartment. That was pretty easy. Just, you know, a Kijiji search, finding the job, you know, that was just, again, another search, but it's like yourself, like really controlling yourself and keeping that momentum going was my biggest thing. I think, yeah. um, from structuring all that. Yeah. No, that's really deep, man. Cause like most people don't like you're 22. Like I don't think about that. Like mm. I'm hitting 30 almost. And yeah. like, you know, people like us are like, just trying to realize how mm -hmm. important it is to like figure out your schedule, figure, maintain yourself. Right? Yeah. Early on before we started this, talking about sleep and how yeah. regulating yourself, how important that is mm -hmm. and really working on yourself as an individual. I mean, we're so not socialized for that, oh. right? To like think about ourselves totally. as a piece of work totally. that needs to be improved upon. Mm. Um, like where are your thoughts on that, right? Like, do you, do you split up your day to think about yourself as an improvement piece? Like hundred yeah. percent. Um, I am a huge believer in always taking time for yourself. And when I say that, I don't mean like, you know, taking time for yourself to go and relax and like watch Netflix and go spend money and shop. Like there's a time and place for that. Right. When I say, you know, take time for yourself. I just mean like always have yourself as the number one priority. I think our society, it creates, this notion and this guideline or this expectation that we should always be thinking about others first, which, Hey, I'm not saying you shouldn't in a lot of scenarios, right? That's what empathy is called. Right. But, uh, but it's so important to think about what you want first and what you need as you know, a human and as, uh, someone that's going to work, like, are you sacrificing a lot of travel time or, you know, family time for that, for taking this job? Is it worth it for yourself? Are you putting more stress? So, for myself, I always make sure I take time for myself. And as soon as I'm, I'm grateful that I work at a startup that allows me that if I need a day or if I need an extra hour before going into the office, I can. And I love that about a startup. And I don't think I'd be able to survive in a corporate company because of that is that I prioritize myself so much that on the days that, you know, you wake up and you're not feeling the greatest that I'll take that hour before going into work because I know if I do take that hour, the rest of the workday is actually going to be effective where what people do is they don't prioritize themselves and they go to work anyways, putting up with this feeling of what could be anxiety, depression, stress, you know, whatever's built up over the past, you know, months, if you haven't been questioning it. 
um, and they just deal with it. And then they have a really bad work day and then their boss is on them and it becomes this cycle spiral. Yeah. Right. And that's something I like to actually talk about, um, with my business leverage living, which helps entrepreneurs overcome burnout. And it's this entrepreneurial burnout cycle. Yeah. And I've identified it surely through my own experiences. And really it comes down to a bunch of different factors, but all of them are very interconnected. So if you don't just stop and take those times for yourself, like Sunday today, great opportunity for myself. Like after this, I'm going to go home, chill out, plan my day, review like my finances, review how my past week went. Like I track all my sleep, track all my eating, track my meditation. Like I go back and review all that to ensure like how was the week for me? What caused me to not meditate? What caused me to sleep poorly? How was I feeling when I ate these meals? Right. Um, and so that was a big thing for me is taking that time for myself. Uh, and, and when I don't, it's very noticeable. And so coming back to this entrepreneurial cycle that I've kind of figured out and identified, it really comes down to sleep. It comes down to being active every day. It comes down to mindfulness and meditation and being grateful and not getting so caught up in those small minute tasks and problems like people cutting you off in traffic or, you know, you miss the subway, those small things. Um, and then it comes down to work performance and moving throughout the day. Uh, so there's so many different things that it, that it comes into play uh, that if you aren't taking those breaks, this burnout continuously happens and you think you'll get out of it, but your actions haven't changed. It's mm -hmm. just you've recovered a little bit, but your actions aren't changing. So how can you expect to get out of the cycle? So huge, huge uh, believer in and uh, prioritizing yourself over almost everything, like everything. Yeah. I really like how you're talking about burnout, like as like emotional debt. Mm. It's like it accumulates over time. And if it's not dealt with, it just spirals and it builds upon itself. It just builds there. Right. right? So let's talk about burnout, what that looks like. Mm. like. How do you identify that? I think the first thing is, is it comes in many different forms. Um, you know, it can come in emotional it can come as physical, uh, it can come from your career, maybe your careers, you know, going down the hill, right? Like who knows, there could be a recession right now that could look at like burnout. So it comes in, in, in many different uh, ways, but there's a lot of different areas of your life. Like I just mentioned, the four main ones is, you know, your stress management, your mindfulness, your nutrition, your training and your sleep. Like those are the four main areas that I can look at somebody and be like, there's something probably going on here and I can identify if you're if you're having burnout mm. right you're sleeping like are you sleeping less than eight hours a day right you can go you can go and I'm not saying you can't sleep less than eight hours a day many people do it right but it's like how long can you sustain that right we're playing the the long-term game here as entrepreneurs so it's like you can build a business with just your mind and this is what I always say you can build a business with just your mind don't worry about your sleep. Don't worry about, you know, your, your body. Don't worry about what you eat. But long-term, when you want to build a legacy, you need to take in all of those into consideration, right? So if you're sleeping less than eight hours a day, that's only going to allow you to work at that kind of pace for so long before you burn out, either you get sick because when you're not sleeping eight hours a day, you're not letting your immune system uh, repair properly, as well as if you're, if you're not doing it, then a lot of the time, um, you're going to be missing out on those key kind of hormone imbalances that get thrown out of imbalance 
uh, by, you know, staying up late and being in front of the computer late at night, right? The big thing I'm sure you've heard of is like those blue light blocking glasses and, you know, how there's this blue light. What is this blue light that we're all talking about, right? That's a huge thing that a lot of research is coming up as well right now mm. that's not allowing us to sleep. So even when we do sleep six hours, are those six hours even effective six hours? Yes. Right. And that's why, I, you know, I have this ring. It's called an aura ring and it tracks everything. The one thing I was stunned about is I would be in bed for eight, but I would actually only sleep six and a half or seven. So it's like, OK, so maybe you're in bed for eight, but how long are you actually sleeping for? And what's the quality of that? Um, so sleep is a huge one. Right. I think that like is one of the biggest pillars of the whole thing because it's something everybody has to do no matter what. Right. Nutrition is the next one, I think. Um, I think nutrition is actually one of the, the biggest underlying causes to all diseases today. And, you know, by no means am I a, a scientist and researcher that can like pinpoint all this, but just hearing about how important nutrition is from our gut, like our gut is, you know, coming out as our second brain and has actually more neuron cells than our brain does. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy in itself. So that's got to lead to like, okay, what are we feeding our gut? right? Where it gets digested, the food gets digested. That's supposed to be our second brain. And if we're feeding a poor garbage in garbage out, mm. right? Yeah. So what are you eating? That's going to lead to illnesses. And then on top of that, you're not sleeping well, your, your body just can't hold up a, a, a strong immune system. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, next thing, training, right? If you're not moving the body, when I say training, that, that means like, that doesn't mean like high intensity. I just mean like, how much are you moving your body throughout the day? Are you moving in the morning to get your blood pumping and get the hormones kicking and get your serotonin and, and uh, cortisol up? Or are you just waking up, not drinking any water on a dry system, having a hot cup of coffee? That's going to dehydrate your system even more, right? That's what 90, I would probably say like 90, 95% of North America does, right? Um, and so the biggest thing I do is drink a huge thing of water right in the morning and then drink coffee. And when I do drink coffee, I drink with MCT oil. Um, and so nutrition is a big MCT oil. What, what does that do? MCT oil is a strain of coconut oil. It's just like a pure strain. I think it's C8 or C12. Uh, and essentially it bonds with the caffeine molecules to slowly release the caffeine in our body. And so, you know, when we drink coffee in the morning, we're very uh, adjusted yeah. to having a that spike, which gives a crash later or avoiding that spike by drinking another cup of coffee, mm. right? So I only drink one cup with MCT oil and that sustains me because it's a slow release. So um, all these things, and I mean, I, I honestly could go on forever about all these pillars, but trying to get into a little bit um, for some value is like, you know, again, garbage in, garbage out. And if you aren't fueling yourself properly, then how can you expect to, you know, operate properly or operate efficiently and at your best Again, as an entrepreneur, you want efficiency and you want to be operating at your best. And so those are the main three areas. The other one's stress and, and mindfulness. Huge piece like meditation has, has honestly probably changed my life mm. uh, when I started doing that. And I know that still sounds very airy-fairy, especially for where we are. Uh, although meditation, mental health, mindfulness, like gratitude, like all those kind of buzzwords and, and those activities are becoming a more like a forefront of what entrepreneurs and just everybody is starting to do but a lot of people don't see that as a key pillar as part of your burnout or your sustainability and i can hands down say that has been for me 
you know, to give you an example, like, again, just staying grateful for the fact that I could take the TTC here today, that I had hot water to take a shower this morning, and I woke up in the safety of my bed. Like, those three things is simple. And just being grateful for that and just being conscious of that on a day-to-day basis allows me to not get into the, the minor <clears throat> of it. And that, as much as it sounds like a small thing, leads to, when people aren't doing it, leads to the burnout or adds to the burnout. And so those are the four main things. You know, I can go, again, you can dive a lot deeper into... So four main things, can you list that? Sorry? Please yeah. four main things. Yeah, so sleep is definitely one of them. Okay. Uh, nutrition, what you eat, you know, how you eat it, when you eat it, all that. Uh, training and just being physical. When are you moving your body? Are you sitting down for eight hours a day and not moving once? Um, and then stress management, emotion management, mindfulness, meditation. So amazing. I mean, that's really cool. You codified this because you're speaking all the words that like are really, that really drive me right now. Like yeah. this is what I'm exactly I'm into. Yeah. Right. Like how to make yourself like more high functioning. Mm, 100%. Right. I mean, people don't understand, like people don't understand that their body is like a vehicle, right? Totally. I mean, you live up here, your mind is running and all this, but if you don't take care of this vehicle that you're given, yep. um, like it's not going to perform for yep. you, right? It's not going to accomplish the things yeah. that you want to accomplish and drive you forward, mm-hmm. right? And everything all kind of feeds each other. And it's, and it's interesting you talk about the second gut, right? Mm. Like we're learning so much more about this, of how like the gut and what you feed it. Yep. Uh, it, it like one of the things that blows my mind, like it's like most one third of the cells that live in the body is not you. Mm. Right? It, yep, yep. It's like bacteria and it's yeah. a microbiome that kind of lives mm-hmm. within you. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't share your DNA. It's different. So you are not just you. You're mm-hmm. like an ecosystem living inside you. Yeah. And everything you feed this ecosystem kind of like responds to it. Yep. So before we were talking, uh, our previous guest about like how people you surround yourself with affects yeah. you, but this biome kind of affects you mm-hmm. as well. So it, it's interesting about like the, 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 the studies coming out of especially your stomach, right? Yep. The stuff you eat, the biome that you accumulate. So when you cra- have sugar cravings, mm. right, this is the craziest thing. The sugar craving, yeah. it's not actually you. 100%. It's a bacteria living there uh, sh- craving it. They secrete a substance that yeah. stimulates the nervous system. Yeah. It's about one-third of like the amount of br- uh, the, uh, like neurons you have in your brain. It's almost about one-third of that kind of capacity in your stomach. Yeah. Because second brain means that it's an actual mm-hmm. like yeah. nervous system down there. Yeah. And it interfaces with this biome in there. Yeah. And when it craves things, it tells you to crave it. Yeah. So that 100%. craving that, you know, you had Tim Hortons donut mm-hmm. and these kind of things that are almost commercialized and pushed to you, it's actually meant for that biome. Totally. Right. And it's kind of blows my mind to think about that. 100%. And by just changing your diet, you can change that biome so you no longer crave that, mm-hmm. crave that sugar. Because mm-hmm. it might benefit that biome, but not you as a person. Yeah. Right. And, um, like I think Joe Rogan talks a lot about this. Like he really got my mind into mm. this where he's like, he moved in from a sugar, like sugar and carbohydrate based diet, right. which everyone's all accustomed to. Yes. Right. Which is like, tastes good. Totally. Easy to make this, all that yeah. to more fat based. Right. Right. Or we're actually eating saturated fats and fats being actually good for you. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And that yep. changed his biome. So the body went from burning sugar mm-hmm. to burning fats. Yeah. So the fats will come in, but get burned off. Yes. And the body's used to burning it off. Yeah. And it no longer craves sugar, mm-hmm. right? And has changed his biochemistry and made it more effective, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's interesting that, you know, there's so much little thought that people know you actually put about this, yeah, right? And it's insane. So my next question is like knowing like so 
before we even get into that, right? Like one of the coolest things about this is the parallels between Hinduism. Yeah. Like me, okay. I was raised, like I'm, I was born into Hinduism, but I was raised uh, in a, as an atheist. Right. So I okay. never got to experience it. I had okay. a lot of friends who were Hindu, so I got experience, exposure to them. And one of the craziest things about this, right? Like the idea of like diet. So we know now like, like veganism, like vegetarianism, the main benefits of going to a vegetarian or plant-based diet, especially is not just a plant-based mm -hmm. diet, but the change in diet, yes, right? yeah. going on the keto diet, the mm -hmm. payload diet, the Mediterranean mm -hmm. diet, mm -hmm. it's not the diet you choose. Yep. It's about changing your diet mm -hmm. that changes, it reflects so your body chemistry. Yeah. And people have an upspike of like a positivity based on yeah. that. And they miscorrelate that and go down that diet, yeah. which can over long term negatively affect them. Mm -hmm. Right? 100%. And, um, and Hinduism preaches that. Like Hinduism built into it. Hinduism as a uh, not more of a religion, but as a, as a culture, like you have these weeks where you're supposed to go veggie and you go back. You're supposed to do like a, um, like a, uh, what would you call? It? I don't know how to call it in English, but like almost like a sacrifice. Like every week, okay, you choose, you, uh, you choose a day, either Tuesdays or Fridays. Not like a fast. Days. Not like a fast, okay. but you go vegetarian. Okay. You you avoid all meat. Okay. Right. So I, like a meat fast. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. You pretty much go to a vegetarian for the right. day, and it's kind of like a, atonement kind of thing. Right. 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 And part of that is supposed to be it's supposed to be good for you. It's huh. not meant to be for like God or anything. Yeah. It's meant to be good for the person. Mm. Right. And then there's weeks where you're supposed to do a fast. Right. You, you go not not a food fast, but change again change mm -hmm, of diet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You eat this different kind of materials. Right. right? You avoid the uh, avoid the meat. Yeah. And the point the whole point of that actually goes back to science of changing your diet yep. back, like, intermediately mm -hmm. once in a while has positive effects for you. 100%. Right? And um, so, like, it's something I'm self-discovering, right, through my community is that, like, Hinduism is, like, is one of the, being one of the oldest religions is built off sciences right. that turned into more mystified kind, right. of, uh, kind of a system. And uh, I'm learning that now, too, like, researching back into this. Yeah. The science between that. And now that like yo things like yoga and like like the like the Eastern practices now are being coming into Western culture, yep. these practices are coming in and now being rediscovered. Yeah, right. Yeah. And being like, oh, this is the science behind it. Whereas originally it started off as a science that over a period of dark age, right, got turned into like a mysticism mm -hmm. that's now being rediscovered. Totally. So it's interesting how like the cycle of 100%. like of uh, the culture repeats itself, right? Yeah. But now I'm thinking like. How can we infuse technology into this, right? Mm. If we really want to, to become like super soldiers, like be yeah. finely like attuned, right? So yeah. you're like a well-oiled machine, right? Mm -hmm. So you wake up and you're ready to go. Like mm -hmm. you feel energized, you're not feeling lazy. Like you're accomplishing your goals. Totally. You're out there achieving the milestones you want. You're being there for your family. You're providing totally. the energy you want. You need yeah. to you need to sustain yourself. I mean, that's forward-thinking mentality, 100%. right? Of understanding yourself. 100%. How can we use technology to do that? I mean, you talked about the ring you used yeah. to collect data, right? Yeah. I mean, why aren't we institutionalizing this on a more wide-scoping <laughs> scope thing? I mean, a lot of companies are doing this now yeah. with these tools. Yeah. But, like, how could we, like, you know, use the data that we, we can collect mm -hmm. from ourselves mm -hmm. and have built system that can tell us how to improve ourselves? Totally, totally. You know? How can we, like, disperse that knowledge? For sure. Right? To make people more effective, right? Yeah. I think this is a really the next wave of like the health sciences. 100%. Right? Um, I think you said something funny there that uh, like, why aren't we doing it? Well, I'm a big believer in that at the end of the day, the government doesn't want us to get that much better. Yeah. You know what I mean? They want to keep us in a certain spot. So yeah. I think this stuff, the only reason that it's becoming so popular and the, 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 the science behind the gut is becoming so popular is because 
they don't have any choice, right? And I won't get too much into that, but yeah. it's funny you mentioned that. Um, how technology though is affecting it is personalization, mm. for sure. Yeah. Like for me, this is my personalized results each day. It's not saying a, sci a scientist or a researcher saying uh, the average this, person, yeah. the average person needs seven to eight hours of sleep a night, and you're gonna be great, right? Like you're gonna be at your peak performance. That's just not the case for people. Some people yeah. are, you know, night owls. Some people are morning morning worms like that's actually proven that your your hormones and the way you function from your circadian rhythm which is our natural body clock actually dictates when the best time for us to go to bed and, and wake up right and so it's like how can we really know that until we bring technology into the picture some kind of not necessarily technology but something that can track it which the easiest thing to do so is technology yeah, so yeah, yeah. um because for me i don't use anything too too deep on a day-to-day -day besides my ring and besides like a literally a google sheet that i track everything with but something that i have been into um and i'm actually in the midst of doing some more testing is there's something called a, a viome test it's a gut intelligent test and so when i first learned about the gut and it was like everybody's is different everybody's like your own fingerprint no two people are the same coming back to you know the canada food guide it's like well who's who's canada to say that I'm supposed to be eating this and this is the best for me, you know, more grains and veggies, less meat, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, let me actually figure out what my gut is. And so the Viome uh, gut intelligence test, I took it, uh, you give them some uh, DNA, they analyze the result and they actually give you a list of your superfoods, the foods that is okay to eat, foods that you should minimize and foods that you should completely avoid for yourself. Uh, that is only just going to, you know, upset your body and not do well. And then on the, obviously on the top end of the thing, foods that are actually going to enhance you and really allow you to thrive and, and move as a well-oiled machine. Um, other things it told you kind of what supplements you should be taking and how's your current kind of setup of your microbiome? Like, is it bad or good? And, you know, quite honestly, I've been eating what I like to think well for a while now, pretty whole foods. Like I'll eat out sometimes. I'm not going to deny that, but you know, the foods I do eat are pretty healthy, organic, but also, um, you know, the high fats, low sugar, you know, more complex carbs over simple carbs. But the results actually came back like pretty bad for my actual gut where it currently was because what I was eating doesn't necessarily say like it's good for myself. Mm -hmm. And so it comes down to personalization and technology is driving that. And I'm taking another one that's called DNA Fit mm -hmm. um, that looks into my physical performance and all the the vitamins and minerals and what am i like good at in terms of the levels and what am i deficient in and what vitamin minerals is a hard time for my body to absorb again coming back to personalization mm. and technology so i think there's a few things that you can be doing and there's a ton more like obviously the aura rings basic with sleep tracking and it only go covers sleep tracking and heart rate then, you know, you have your Apple Watch that does, you know, steps. Your phone does steps. There's other tech that uh, looks at, like, instant heart rate monitoring that when you're in the gym, you can actually, like, get to the level that you need to be training at to yeah. actually create a good workout and move your body enough to put it into a metabolic state. Um, yeah, like... Yeah, there's, like, a magic number of, like, the heart rate. Yeah, right? there's, there's this range. There's a top and bottom range that once you hit this first one, you can sustain it for so long. And then once you hit the second one, you only can sustain it for like 10 to 30 minutes. Um, and you want to stay in between that range when you're working out. If you're looking to put yourself in a more of a metabolic state that's really burning, 
um, that state is really hard to achieve if you're just like, you know, working out here and then taking a rest and because you don't really know your live heart rate. So you can't really guess that. So that's why that's good. But um, I love the fact how much technology is coming into the health field, which I think for a lot of people seems foreign because this is like cold, hard robot and like we're soft human. Mm. But at the end of the day, like it's going to make us a better human to let us live longer and before we're becoming a, a more proactive uh, society where like before medical science is all reactive. Yeah. You break your leg, you go to the hospital, you get ill, you go get your the doctor to give you a subscription for antibiotics. Well, antibiotics is like one of the worst things we could actually be doing for our gut right now. Yeah. Um, so it's like, why don't we just keep our gut healthy so we don't get sick, right? And we're showing ourselves how to do that by like treating the gut well. How do we treat the gut well? Um, tracking sleep, you know, getting up and moving every day and keeping the immune system strong. So we become more proactive rather than reactive. Absolutely. And that's done with technology. So have you have you ever looked into the, like the, the history of the current like uh, of healthcare right now? Like how it came to be like? No, no. Yeah. So I looked into this recently, like a few years ago, actually, right? I got super into it. So I graduated from like a neuroscience psychology right. background. Okay, cool. Right. Got heavy into understanding how trauma and um, like uh, anxiety affects people, PTSD. Right. That's what I, I wanted to study, right? right? And that's how, like, I, I got, like, the actual chemical, biochemical components, understanding to how the body works okay. at a base level. And then that kind of built my knowledge. Right. One of the interesting, like, how did this industry kind of form mm. a health, right? And it's super interesting because, like, before the pharmaceutical industry came around and codified medicine into, like, oh, you have this? Perfect. Take this pill. Mm -hmm. You have this? Mm -hmm. Do this, mm -hmm. right? Before that, it was holistic medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so before like 1920s, 1930s, like the pharmaceutical industry was really built as a marriage between like Wall Street mm. and oil money, yeah. right? They decided they, they had all this capital. They're like, what can we do? And they built this medical the industry yeah. to codify health. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Right. <laughs> and a part of that is they built uh, the, the university infrastructures, so academic infrastructure. They paid universities to build the academic yep. institutions that can provide all this research to back up their back up the actual yep. the facts mm -hmm. that can codify into medicine that can be sold. Right, so transactable medicine. Yeah. Before that, medicine was holistic, right? And people were again doing personalized treatment. People would come and sit down, talk to you, talk about your sleep, yes. talk about your habits, talk about who you're with, what's yes. your, you know, um, and it's and it was almost as industry came up and mysticized that, right? Yeah. Turned this like, oh, this is all like you know, totally pseudoscience, right? Totally. That's that's a term they put it under, right? But the fact is, before the pharmaceutical industry, when it first came up, for the first like 50 years, when it was trying to develop, it was only half, 50% effective. It was wow. exactly the same rate of effect as holistic medicine. Wow, okay. Which was, you know, uh, making yourself better mm -hmm. or by giving more natural remedies. Yes. And the, taking advantage of the placebo effect. Yes. Right? A lot of the placebo effect was totally. being used, right? The self-healing capabilities 100%. of the mind. And it was only 50% effective mm -hmm. until this money started pouring into it and this industry got built up. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing a reversal of that because knowledge becoming is going more oh, open. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. People can now go up and research and understand things, right? Yep. And we're no longer hitting behind this paywall of <laughs> academic research and then yeah. newspapers and then being told yep. by these institutions, this is what's good for you. Mm -hmm. This is what the average is. This is what you should be keeping up to this average. Mm -hmm. And going back to personalization, 
I think the next stage is mass personalization. Totally. Yep. How can you enable this kind of thinking, like mm-hmm. your kind of level of knowledge? How can you give that to people? Mm-hmm. And now the technology is being available now that, you know, voices in every house household now, mm-hmm. right? We have these tracking tools you wear mm-hmm. that can track all the capture all this data. Now is how to connect the two together. Mm-hmm. Right, so technology enables better health for us. Totally. Right, and enables gives us the best tools and access based off our personalized needs. Right, I mean, my I'm I'm a big like huge fan of this. Like next five to ten years, the data collection of our cells, mm-hmm. of our biochemistry, is going to get to a point where, you know, we're going to know our blood glucose levels in real time. Yeah. You know, you can have that's crazy a yeah. sensor inside your body that's telling you what your biochemistry of your blood is. Yes. Right, how much oxygen is being yeah. held in average by yeah. your, uh, by your bloodstream. Right, real internalized mm. data. For sure. How can we apply that? Right. Mm. So there was a research done recently in like China. Right. right. They took all their top doctors. One of the biggest problems in medicine is that doctors has an insane um, rate of being wrong. Diagnosis. Oh, yeah. Right? I think uh, the rate was like sixty percent of times of diagnosis are mistaken yeah. or an error. I, I don't. Yeah. Right. I so diagnosis is like it's something that repeatedly you have to be done. Mm-hmm. They're problem solving over and over again. Mm-hmm. The thing is, machines are really good at this. Mm. And so they, they did a test, right? The top doctors in the country versus an algorithm that mm. can go through and <laughs> diagnose. And the algorithm won. Interesting. Right? Yeah. But now we're getting, in the next few years, we're going to get to a point where these algorithms can now have more access to data, more totally. personalized access yes. to data, right? Yes. So I'm interested in seeing what kind of develops in the med tech kind of industry where it ma- allows for mass personalized yeah. of exactly what you're talking about, yeah. right? Customized for me based off who I am, what's yeah. the best way to keep myself in shape, mm-hmm. in best physical form, and to achieve the things that I want to achieve, mm-hmm. right? And this goes back to the ethos of like, how can we get technology to be enabling the pieces to help us, be, to enable the individual, rather than being used to control us? Mm-hmm. Imagine this technology being used now in the reverse. Right. For the bigger companies to be like, understand the health of the people. And, you know, now they can have access to like, you know, figure as a diagnosis tool for them to sell things. Right. Right. Totally. It being a symptom generator to sell different things too. Yeah. More systematic way. That's how technology is being developed right now. Because all the money is coming from these huge institutions. Yep. Right. Yep. So I think we're really at a crisis point. Yeah. Between whether technology is going to be used to like kind of enslave us. Yeah. And divide the gap even bigger mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. who have and have nots. Right. Or it can be an enabled piece mm-hmm. and it kind of enables everybody mm-hmm. to become more empowered for sure. and be blossom as a society because, because yeah, of totally. that, right? Become better. Yeah. Um, so like one of the things I'm really interested in is like you're kind of thinking, how can we get that out to the people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we codify this so that it can be mass personalized and get to mm-hmm. I think it really starts with collecting data for yourself. For sure. People, for sure. people getting access to it. You can, yeah. You know, like getting a ring, getting a smartwatch, yep. collecting data for yourself. Yep. Right. And then to, providing tools that can do this right yeah well i think um i think the biggest thing with that is the first notion of the of like collecting data is bad you know like going back last year with cambridge analytica that's just put such a negative connotation on data and for me like you know being in marketing and being in business you know i see being able to collect data as a great thing yeah right like all facebook is really trying to do maybe sure with the the political stuff there is some, um, you know, muddy waters per se, but when it comes to advertising, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to health, like the only reason we're collecting data is be- to drive more personalized offers, drive more personalized solutions mm. for us instead of getting, you know, spammed with all these ads that aren't relevant to us right now or all these diagnoses that aren't actually what's causing us. 
Um, and so I think that the data, it first needs to like get lifted from that negative connotation of like big companies collecting data is a bad thing or companies in general. Um, like I have no problem giving my sleep data, my, you know, eating data, my like stress management and mental health data to companies that are trying to go and build more personalized solutions. I think that's the first thing. Yeah. Um, because I, I hear well, how it all can the you time. control for that? Right. Let's say you find a company that you, can, you trust, you support and they get bought up by a larger company mm -hmm. and all that data now becomes part of that stream. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the biggest risks right now. Right. right. I think we're in the potential of a gold rush. Right. Right. When it comes to data. Yeah. Data has become the new gold. It's actually well, yeah, worth it's more. Yeah, pri it's priceless. It's priceless. But it's being bottlenecked by yeah. distrust mm -hmm. because these pr private institutions have, have historical uh, yeah. uh, abuse cases against yeah. it. People are less likely to give up their data, right? Mm -hmm. There was like a famous case that came up in, in Boston where this new company came out, had a smart material meant for women okay. that when they had uh, their periods, right. it would actually give them real-time diagnosis wow. of based off their blood flow and all that, like of uh, their fertility. Wow. What's actually happening in their bodies. It's amazing tech. Yeah. No one would, would, would wanted to do it though because of the of the behavior response. Like it's such valuable data. I don't trust giving it out or I don't mm. want that collected. Mm. Right. So it's a kind of a training aspect mm -hmm. comes into play. No, totally. I so get that. I think like uh, going back to the conversation I had earlier uh, before my previous guest, mm -hmm. like the idea of institution building, right? Creating a new types of institutions mm -hmm. like will provide new types of trust. Right. right? So I got really obsessed lately with this kind of idea of uh, it's called a decentralized autonomous organizations. Okay. Right. Um, these are different types like of a, a kind of like a corporation. So Sounds rather like a than blockchain tech, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like a blockchain kind of promoted this. Yeah. Right. But it's kind of an idea that's been floating around for a while. It's like, how do you make an organization like really free, right? Like really mm -hmm. autonomous, like, like the biggest problem with, with organizations like corporations is they're very hierarchical, right? Right. People at top, disproportionately gain more than the people at the bottom. But how can you create institutions that can benefit people at, at scale, mm. right, um, in, in mass? So how can you make institutions where everyone's kind of a shareholder, right, right, and the machines run it, right, and it benefits everybody, right? So a system like this, right, where we all connect to provide our, our, our data, our personalized data, where all the, all the watches, mm. smart information that collects all this data gets codified, put in the system, right, the more information, more we feed this to the more valuable it becomes, but we, we all own it, but it's all run by machines mm. and we, we understand how the algorithm functions. So we trust it. Right. Right. And because it's all open, everyone owns it. We're willing to provide for it. Yes. And because we give it all this value, it provides back to us. Yeah. Right. It's a new type of way of institution building. Totally. Right. So these dApps they call, right, like are like our applications that are built to be decentralized and autonomous and yeah. run on themselves. Very interesting. Uh, people are trying to figure out how to build this. Yeah. And it's something I've been following for a lot because if we can get this kind of going, right, it can be a new way of connecting and building things together. Totally. That doesn't disproportionately pr uh, like promote one person versus the other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone gets what they get out of it. What they 100%. put into it. Yeah. I think. Well. I think that is going to be leaking into any every way of life, right? Like I just mentioned the blockchain. Yeah. Like I, I'm a big believer that that at some point that's going to take over, you know, centralized currency, yeah. fiat. Uh, it's just it's just bound to happen. Like the the way we are moving is a way that like we are going to put our trust into systems. what, yeah, into systems essentially, right? So I'm a huge believer in that, and like I definitely I have my money in like crypto because yeah. it's like at some point it's going to happen yeah. maybe it might not be for another 10 years but it, yeah. it will happen like the yeah the the actual 
concept of it, maybe the technology isn't there right now, but the concept, what you're just talking yeah. about, is the thing that really matters when we're talking about this and Absolutely. whether it's going to work or not. And it's like we're done with being held captive by, you know, two, three large corporations, a government and doing what they say. Right. The faceless entities. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of interact. And I think the whole promise of crypto, I think, interesting enough, I think it's a backup plan. Mm. I think it's a great backup plan. Okay. It's meant it's it's built on it's it was built on distrust of the current financial system. Yeah. Which is built by the yep. few and the few ha and the haves. Yeah. Right. So it's just like the crypto network is kind of the backup mm -hmm. and every time the the financial crisis uh, happens on like mm -hmm. the uh, on like um, the mainstream financial markets the crypto markets kind of pop up mm. right so it's interesting to see like what's going to happen if if it's going to take like a financial collapse totally to actually make a crypto economy boom yeah i i think so or if it's just going to equalize amongst each other yeah right when one goes down the other one pumps up yeah kind of fill in a route right because mm. one of the interesting things about technology is that when you invent something when you put it out somewhere it doesn't disappear no. Right. Like you can go right on on Amazon, I think, right now, or eBay, and and find like a like a farm contract, like a, a compactor, or like a plow yeah. that was invented in 1820s. Yeah. Right. Built exactly like how it was built in 1820s. Yeah, that's true. Same yeah. parts and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Right. Like you can like all these legacy things that are built like uh, technologies afterwards are mm. still there available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And money is still a technology, right? Right, fiat is a, it's a technology, yeah. Just like blockchain, is. totally. I don't think it's going to ever disappear, but right. I think it's going to be systems that kind of work together, yeah, in different ways or another, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I also think like depending on where you live, I think will dictate how much crypto or the blockchain will be, um, you know, evident in that economy yeah. or that you know society, right? Because it, at the end of the day, like if if one government just isn't gaining the trust or the corporate like perfect example down in Venezuela. Yeah. Like they could they are implementing it and they will continue to implement a crypto because the fiat is pretty much non existent. Yeah. They need right? a different solution. Right. Yeah. So places like that, I definitely think that you know it will bloom more. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, I, I guess I can see where you're coming from where the sense it might not ever disappear, uh per se. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. This has been interesting, right? Yeah, let's, yeah, totally. Let's, let's flip back to uh, TrueFan and what you guys yeah, are doing there. Yeah, uh -huh. Right? Um, step back in that conversation, right? Yeah. So TrueFan, if you can give you a little high level of what's going on there. Like Definitely. What doing. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll start off by kind of what we do. Yeah. Um, so TrueFan as a whole is a social intelligence platform that allows brands essentially to find their top fans. But what that's really transitioned into is helping brands build grassroots communities that is made up of these, you know, super fans and micro influencers to essentially take that kind of like word of mouth mm. marketing that is typically an offline thing to a very online, you know, organic presence um, that they can do it in a grassroots manner, right? So we give you the, the data and then, you know, allow you to go and capitalize on it and build relationships with these key people. Yeah. So that's what true fan is. Um, I'll go one step further and say we actually just acquired another piece of tech cool. that uh, very exciting stuff. And, you know, I got to say congrats to, you know, uh, our CEO and our co-founder Swish and Onik because they did an amazing job with that. Um, buying this tech called Social Rank. Mm -hmm. It's been around the space for about five years now. Really, really robust uh, piece of tech that is an audience, seg audience segmentation platform. So if you think about it, TrueFan goes really deep and allows you to find a very like niche, niche audience within your following um, or like the industry's following. 
but then social rank allows you to go really wide and understand your audience as a whole. Yeah. So we're not just looking at the engaged audience. We're looking at every bit of the audience. Where are they from? What's their gender? You know, what's in their bios? Like, what are they about? Um, all that kind of stuff. And so both those two combined creates kind of a suite of a really powerful audience segmentation and social analytics, uh, you know, tool. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the acquisition part of it, right? Totally. You guys are a pretty young company and you went out and purchased another company. Yeah. That's been around for a little longer. Yeah. Acquired their tech, right? And are like merging with your own. Yeah. That's a lot of moving pieces. Like, um, that's, so were you around when the decision came about to to uh, purchase this? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the conversation really only started, I think, like two months till we actually bought it. Like, it was fairly quick for an acquisition. Yeah. Um, and mind you, a little background, like Swish and Onik had ties with the owners of Social Rank. They knew each um, other, yeah. Yeah, like they knew each other and they kept in touch. Actually, like Swish had uh, like saw Alex, who was the CEO of Social Rank as kind of that mentor role model in the social analytics space. So oh, wow, yeah. it was pretty cool to kind of see it come full circle. And I know it, it's very special for Swish, um, but the acquisition itself, I, I was definitely around for that. And um, I wasn't, you know, heavily involved in the conversations by any means, you know, you know, being a hire, I'm an employee, not the founding team, but very much a startup, like we talk pretty openly. So, you know, a lot of interesting things went on, right? Like. Uh, buying a piece of tech when we're a startup and so it's like that whole notion it's like you're a startup what do you mean you just yeah, bought a yeah, piece yeah. of tech right or bought a company um because we did buy their book of business as well so that was very interesting um definitely some of the challenges with that i know for onik and swish like a lot of legal side like you know how do you they're a u.s company we're a canadian company how do you bring it into the u.s or bring it into canada and, yeah yeah all the taxes and, you know, sending the money and finalizing the paperwork. I know that's been a challenge, but the biggest thing for what I've been dealing with right now and same with Scott, who we work very closely is the transition of clients. So social rank actually has some very like key clients um, to name a few like Samsung us, uh, Vayner media, uh, Victoria's secret, NFL, NBA. Um, So we got some big clients working with. (laughs) And so, us being a startup, especially being a bunch of 20 year olds going and dealing with like some of the largest, you know, companies in North America, if not the world, um, you got to kind of like tiptoe around and ensure that you're just doing your due diligence when bringing that over. Cause like a big part of us buying that was buying their book of business. So we want to ensure that there's no churn. We want to ensure that we're giving the right service and the best possible service to them and so it's understanding like what's been going on prior what's been the prior kind of like journal of you know the the last transactions with the company and social rank and how can we ensure that's a smooth transaction from billing to you know customer success to the platform itself and so there's been some challenges in there good challenges because it's you know being on the phone with some of these companies has been really really exciting yeah yeah. um and at 22 i wouldn't think i'm talking to some of the top companies in the world right so That's been amazing, um, but also a challenge because it's like you do have a lot of pressure. I didn't feel it at first. I'm like, mm. oh, this is sick. I'm going to work with a lot of big companies. But it's like when you get on the phone with these like corporate companies and these like big execs, it's like you got to say the right things, you know. So um, it's been challenging, but it's been very rewarding as well. So Awesome. Like, I mean, that's a growth you get out of a startup, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you get to experience yeah. all these things that it would probably take like a normal career, like years yeah. and like 
multiple like um, different employees, or employers to like learn from. Hundred percent. Um, I mean, TrueFan is relatively run by a young team as well, right? Like, no one's over twenty seven or twenty eight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So, what like how do you guys navigate the, the knowledge gap, right? Um, when you're when you're so young mm -hmm. and you're dealing with all these different things that some uh, some most likely you haven't course done before like a merger yeah. an acquisition things like that how do you navigate all of that yeah right like yeah it's a great question um the the cool thing about what we're doing is it's in a space that is fairly unknown to begin with not like the acquisition and and the the business side of things but what we're doing as a company with social analytics and influencer marketing um and brand building at from a social standpoint mm. that's still very new yeah. like you know social has been around for a while now but especially from the standpoint of like understanding what's going on from social, like people have been using social and there's been very minor tools to understand what's going on, but there hasn't been the depth on what we're taking on today and leading really um, the social world from an analytics standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so it's been cool because we're almost merging our knowledge gap with like the world's knowledge gap. And so we're kind of just being that pioneer of like, figuring it out on our own slash seeing what's out there, understanding kind of what we are capable of um, and using our past resources of like each of us from the team. We all have great backgrounds of uh, kind of like marketing and community building. Like Swish does an amazing job. He has a great network and he's built an amazing relationship. So it's been cool because it's almost been merging. And so there hasn't been too, it hasn't felt like there's been too much of a knowledge gap um, from the standpoint of our business and, and what we actually do as a core service offering from the acquisition, uh, again, like I got a credit again, uh, Onyx and Swish a lot of this because they, a have surrounded themselves with a lot of amazing mentors mm. and, uh, and people that have helped them get through that, you know, at 22, both of them are 22, like myself, like how do you know what to do with an acquisition? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll hear that on like TV, like yeah, yeah. company A buying company B for X million dollars. Yeah. So when you actually are inside a company experiencing it, you're like, oh, what is actually going on? And, and so for me, like the things I saw were, you know, just a ton of legal stuff. Like you just pretty much stand beside your lawyer and be like, this is what we need, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because there's, you know, so much implications when there's so much money being transferred, so much assets and, and liabilities being transferred. Like it's just all legal thing, really, from the standpoint of the business and the relationships, swish, swishing them and ourselves. It's just about building the relationships and doing what we know how to do and yeah. and continue to cater to what the customer wants. So and that really comes down to the core, right? Like I won't keep trying to focus in business to be like an economic thing like numbers and everything yeah. but it's really relationships it's really everything's relationships like business real business is actually just relationship between people yeah right and within i love that is. within yeah. the buyers within yeah. all that right understanding demand and supply like yeah like it's not just like the transition the mm -hmm. transaction yeah right all 100%. the mechanics behind it and more and more today yeah right like they were they were you know acquaintances and they knew of each other prior like the ceo of our company and ceo of social rank and I think the main reason that happened with us as a startup, they probably could have went and sold to any other agency. Like there was multiple agencies trying to buy them. Mm. Why'd they choose us? Relationships, Relationships. right? Absolutely. So, and more and more as like, that's what really, really builds uh, our society as, you know, social media becomes more of like the way we do interact with everybody. Mm. Relationships, who can build the best relationships and, and cater to them? Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, this goes back to kind of the things we touched on, right? Like, I think like technology is like really flattening out the playing field. But mm. Before everyone used to like, I'm going to go get this job as yeah. this corporation or the government yeah. joining, be a cog in this machine or give me income. Yeah. Now people are becoming more, um, going back to hunter, like hunter, gatherer, yeah. or like farming kind of communities yeah. where everyone's kind of taking care of themselves. That entrepreneur, uh, I see, I don't know if that's what you're alluding to, but yeah. the definitely an entrepreneur kind of thing where like people are coming into organizations and innovating within the organization a lot more yeah. and kind of doing it for themselves. So I'm like, I see myself as a business, yeah. whether I'm working at TrueFan, whether I'm, you know, doing health consulting with Leverage Living. Absolutely. I just see myself as a business and I think- With your own brand, with yeah. your own growth curve. Yes. Yeah. And I think everybody else within our team does. And I think that's why we've been able to, you know, do what we have. So it's like all these like businesses basically came to people, totally. businesses come together totally. to create an entity, right? Yeah. right? To house themselves yeah. and be a mechanism for them yep. to function through. Yep. And I'm offering a service to, to the, to the entity. Scott's offering another service. Swish is offering another service. And together service. you're raising, raising the roof 100%. of this barn, right? Like 100%. together. Yeah. And uh, creating this entity that can produce. For yes. You. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things about what's going on right now with mm-hmm. innovation and like the innovation economy. Right. Yeah. It's like going back to like people living in towns, building these farms, yeah. coming together and building these two entities that can, yeah. that can, that can sustain them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I'm talking, I, I, I want to build the infrastructure that can help support this kind 100%. of what the pod, this podcast is for. Mm-hmm. Right. To get stories like yours out that gets followers and listeners, but also encourage other people to come in and get their stories out. Mm. So it becomes a platform sandwiching them on mm-hmm. top of each other. And, um, I mean, stories like yours is inspiring because like going out there and facing the kind of things you've you've Mm. faced and being able to learn from it and showcasing that learning curve, right? The way you're talking, communicating and thinking about life is so far ahead of most people your age Mm. that you can see that risk taking is not just the the taking the leap. Yeah. You know, where it ends, uh, where it takes you. Right, yeah. whether you uh, make that leap or not, yeah. like whether you end up where you want totally, to go yeah. or not, right? Yeah. It's the act of going somewhere. For sure. Right? For so sure. Sometimes it's about taking that step and that leap forward and learning 100%. from that kind of process. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about it, seeing like where you go from here, right? mm-hmm. especially with your you as a business, mm-hmm. right? True fan, what you do is doing there. And really with the with like the health movement, right? So yeah. you on the side are a coach for entrepreneurs. Let's yeah. wrap up with that, right? Yeah. Um, let's uh, can you bring that up, uh, Dale, um, his site? Um, your Instagram, I think. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Right, so you help entrepreneurs um, get, to get fitness goals and results. Yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, essentially, you know, kind of the the tagline is um, is helping entrepreneurs overcome burnout. Yeah, and uh, take their business to ne- the next level by mastering their health, sleep, and environment. Yeah. So that's really what Leverage Living is really about, and that's our main focus. Cool. Um, so and people can get in contact with you on, on LinkedIn, Instagram. Yeah, right. LinkedIn or LinkedIn definitely, Instagram definitely. Like both yeah. sides, like I I can talk about both sides on either platforms, right? This I I mainly cater to my health, my health side. Yeah. Um, but on LinkedIn, I I do a lot of videos and uh, content around TrueFan and more of like marketing side. But uh, but yeah, like I I've actually just started posting uh, recently. Uh, about about the entrepreneurial burnout cycle that's talking about it. each post I was going through a phase of it cool um, and then my last post actually I got a lot of a lot of uh, you know feedback and, and lots of positivity from it because my last post so my most recent post was actually around mental health and yeah. I was just openly sharing a day that 
I had kind of like, you know, uh, a, a mental health day, right? Like I just felt very anxious. Uh, I woke up with a lot of anxiety for what I like self-diagnosed myself after with. And I just talk about that stuff and I'm very open with that on my Instagram. So, yep. you know, if anybody ever has any questions about that, how I cope with it, you know, I've been told I can cope with it very well um, and be able to identify that. So if anybody has any questions about how I cope with it, you know, meditation, you know, gratitude, nutrition, training, sleep, any of that, uh, I'm always happy to answer that, especially through my Instagram. For awesome, sure. Man. All right, perfect. Hopefully people reach out to you through this. Yeah. Man, Cam, thank you so much for coming and joining us. It's been Definitely. great. Definitely. Yeah, I it's really been awesome. Enjoyed this. Amazing, amazing studio. Awesome, man. Okay. We're out. Okay. Sweet.